Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... I'm Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. And Auntie Shade. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. It's episode 25, we're a quarter of a decade old. That's the right maths, isn't it? I was scared for a second. Yeah. yeah. I've got a D in maths. Sorry, loves. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yes. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Before we go into it, got a new little teeny weeny section that we want to celebrate black people doing great things. And because we're aunties, they're all family. You're all family. So mm-hmm. I'd like to shout out and big up our wonderful nephew of the week, which is Storm Z. He's Ghanaian, so he's probably my cousin. So yeah. take that. <laughs> Um, he's just, look, just quickly, he's, his Murky Foundation has awarded 500K to the Black Heart Foundation, founded by Black entrepreneur Rick Lewis. And basically that money's going to go towards people needing funding for education, primarily people from Black backgrounds, BAME backgrounds, disadvantaged backgrounds, all that good stuff. So, you know, Murky Foundation, with all the donations that it gets, is putting people through school. He's already sent a bunch of kids to Cambridge, all that type of stuff. Stormzy and his foundation are out there trying to diversify education and making things go right. So shout out our nephew Stormzy. Round of applause. Okay, let's go. So girls, what have you heard? What's in the news? What have you heard? So um, I'm pretty sure everyone has heard that uh, Joe Biden has picked a running mate, which is Kamala Harris, who is oh well formally so she can't be it no more right um a senator for california an attorney general and most importantly she is a black lady obviously this is great and visibility is amazing and having you know people in positions of power that look and reflect our community is amazing but i can't help but feel that there is a certain kind of I don't know, icky feeling. Like, they're trying to use black women to win this vote. And I say this because, although Joe Biden is very middle of the road, you know what I mean, he's got his problems. Kamala Harris herself, she has her issues as well when it comes to the black community. And I just wonder whether people are just relying on the fact that she's a black woman and black women will just blindly vote for her because she's black. And I just want to know, do you think that that's the case? Or even if you think it's the case, does it matter? There is an element of thinking that has he done this to win the black vote? But my thing is, I've been, I've been looking and listening to a lot of news and a lot of celebrities coming out and discussing this. And the thing is, do you care? Because at least if you put these two people in the White House, you can hold them accountable for their actions and you can you'll have more of a response to what is said rather than what you're getting from Trump. I could put a fucking empty plastic bag in the White House and it would be more useful than Trump. I'm sorry, she has her issues. Yes, she does. Has she ever said, let's grab them by the pussy? No, she hasn't. Has she been sued by a bunch of people? No, she hasn't. Has she had thousands of workers unpaid? No, she hasn't. Has she done any of these things? You know, if you look at what her and Joe Biden are saying, they're, they're practicing about reform, gun, you know, gun reform, all these, all these things that they're saying they're going to come out and do. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Nobody is perfect. We are never going to get the perfect 
political representatives. You have got to catch the bus to the nearest destination and make it work for you. That's what you've got to do. You can't sit around just saying, oh, well, um, better the devil you know. Possibly so, but I don't think that's the... I, it, actually, no, not possibly so. I don't think that's the case. I think that these two together can offer more for the American people as a whole rather than as a you know, select amount of trumpets than what's on offer. And also her statistics, they line up. She's, you know, she's not only just the first American black woman to become an attorney general of California, her stats are flipping great. If you look at her bio, she's done some good stuff. And if you look at Trump's bio, what did he do? And have a very popular television show. What did he do? I don't really think it's for the black vote. She's going to appeal to black vote. But I don't think that that's why Joe Biden picked her. I think if you go on how Barack Obama was elected, it wasn't because of black people. It's because of Latinos and white people decided we want this man. He represents change. And I think that's what the Democrats are going for again, is that she's progressive. She's a part of the black intelligentsia. She's educated. She's tough on crime. She'd probably put more black people in prison than lots of other attorney generals. I think she ticks lots of boxes that appeal to middle America, which they're going against another set of middle America, the Christian Bible Belt rednecks. So you're trying to get the two kind of middle belts to vote for you. And she appeals to them. She appeals to a liberal base more so than black people. I think the black pressure can be placed on her because she's black. And so then you can really rely on the alliances that she's got in the black community to push forward a black agenda. But really they haven't done it to appease black people. There's not enough African-Americans. And really as much as we really, we have to just be honest about it. They've done it more for middle America than black folk. I was also going to say that at the moment, it seems like of all the units that need to be appealed to anyway, we're the most disjointed because we've got the ADOS movement, we've got the people who are for Trump or I don't know, who are trying to, going for the headlines, oh, she did this about black people, she did that about black people. And black people, I think we're in-house fighting a bit at the moment. Well, I'm saying we, Mm. I'm not American, obviously, but black people in America, they're not together as a unit like they were when Barack Obama was um, running. So I feel like this isn't necessarily for us. It might have been like a lip service thing, like, yeah, maybe they'll go for her, but I don't think she's that unifying when it comes to black people. I think I've seen more black people arguing in, in amongst themselves about whether or not they should vote for her. And they're pulling out all these different arguments of the things that she said. And it's a bit of a, you know, I think Michelle Obama did her speech at the Democratic Convention yesterday, or early hours of this morning for us. And she was literally yeah. unequivocally said, we do not want Trump to stop all this. It's like she was saying to the black people, stop all this infighting, let's get together, let's not play games and go for the one that you think is good, who's got a marginal amount of followers. It's not the time. You might not agree with everything as far as says getting, get the bus to the closest destination. You might not agree with everything that Kamala and Joe Biden say and do, have said and done, but this is your chance to hold them accountable. The only thing I'd like, and this just, just vote sensibly, we do not want another two terms of Trump. And inadvertently, anything they do in America comes and trickles <laughs> down to us anyway. So we, need, we tend to follow the mirror. So it does affect us as well. I mean, the only thing I'm con- concerned about is, is their gender, the black agenda, which everyone, you know, Barack Obama failed his agenda essentially for black people. So he let down a lot of people because their expectations, rightly or wrongly, um, were heaped upon him and they weren't always met when it came to black folks 
tick boxes. So I just want to know what Joe Biden's and Kamala's checklist is and have they have our black people in a position to hold them accountable for the stuff that they don't do or don't get right. Are they willing to listen and will the House let them make changes? Because obviously also Barack was blocked every step of the way because the House wasn't majority Democrat. So there's all these type of things they got to get over. But I think the common sense thing to do is vote these for these two and go on and vote for Joe Biden, obviously, and then just get, get on with it and then see what happens afterwards. I think they are kind of a little bit. Although I do want the outcome. I want Trump out 100%. Do you know what I mean? So everyone knows that he's just got to go. But I do think because there is this campaign, you know, win with black women, there is like, you know, Angela Rye, she's pushing this whole agenda about black women voting, that sort of thing. Even Charlemagne the Gods, he basically said, if you don't have a, a black running mate you're not going to win so i think that the power of the black vote is underestimated or downplayed by the american media for sure do you know what i mean um and i think it, it is that it is black women that are that basically galvanize change it's always us over and over again and it's just like okay that's been reflected this time this hasn't happened before so that's definitely a good thing but the problem is it's just like as you're saying auntie ak what is the black agenda and are you going to push for it and the problem with kamala harris is that you know she's a prosecutor you know do you know what i mean kind of thing and she hasn't you know always like voted the right way when it comes to um black people and and that sort of thing so it's just it and you know joe biden was responsible for um his part in the crime bill you know so are black people going to be served? Are black women going to be served once they get into power? And I think that is a valid concern. But whether they will adhere to that, whether they'll take that on board, I don't know. Because the aim of the game is to win. And I do think even though they may not serve black people, they're better than Trump. Um, it's interesting as well the way that the Republican Party have reacted to this announcement. So not only have a load of them come out and said some very heavily racist things, partly they're questioning her eligibility by mm -hmm. saying, were her parents even legal at the time when she was born? This just reeks of the whole Obamagate thing again. It's just absolute nonsense. You know, they've been racist uh, cartoons that have been put out about her. Lots of newspapers and uh, media outlets have had to come out and openly apologise for the way that they've reacted. They're just trying to incite hate again against those people where it's a natural go-to for them. That has been their response to this, rather than coming back with some actual factual political references. It's just, oh, she's an idiot. Oh, she's, is she even legal? That's the sort of thing that they're saying. So that's quite interesting. Well, I mean, I was going to go all guns blazing, cussing everybody. But um, the government has made a U-turn on the recent mad, mad, <laughs> mad decision. They decided to use an algorithm for A-levels and GCSE results based on schools, past results and individual pupil grades, which obviously meant disproportionately inner city schools um, lucked out. And uh, a lot of students were in tears, brokenhearted and distressed because they didn't get their places because the grades that they were predicted were not adhered to. And the, the government and Ofqual um, relied on an algorithm to award grades and so basically loads of people were downgraded by multiple grades meaning they didn't get to um, institutions that they had already been pretty much approved to go to and but yet disproportionately all the private schools and the well-paid schools and the schools that got all the funding their schools weren't affected because obviously statistically they look on paper to be doing better so it was absolute outrage last week um, outroar loads of um, argument lots of upset 
And then, but now they have decided, Dominic Cummings, the education minister, whatever, has decided actually, we made a grave mistake and we've done a U-turn. So now, sorry, A-levels and GCSE results will be based on the initial references that teachers gave in the first place, the, the centres and stuff like that. So I'm, not, I'm trying to say um, in succinctly, I'm probably not, but my whole thing was to cuss them. But now, guys, I don't know what you think, because really it's just a reflection of the government and their policies and how inadequate they are. Um, Dominic Cummins needs to go. People, he's trying to blame Ofqual, but I just think it should be him. He needs to go. I think this, uh, this is a sacrable offence, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys thought about it. Yeah. So first off, it's like it's one thing them doing the U-turn, but obviously with the universities, mm. once the results come out, a lot of places then were ad- allocated elsewhere because the people didn't have the grades. Exactly. And so there's quite a few people, especially for the top three, like Cambridge, Oxford, like the the Russell Group universities who now are having to find out if they can battle for the place that they initially had to, they had conditions on. Um, one of my Facebook friends, her son, he has now got three A's, but was given A and two B's, so wasn't able to go to Cambridge. His place, once he called up as soon as it was overturned, they were like, we don't have your place anymore. Your place is gone. So now he has to see if there is a way that he can fight on that basis that because of this government blunder, I should have had my place on the grades that were awarded to me before this. There's lots of things like that. And I do think like lots of people need to lose their jobs. Um, I was watching the BBC News and they had Dominic on and he was asked four times, have you offered your resignation to Boris Johnson when she spoke to him? Each time he didn't answer at all. It was, I I wanted to break my computer. Like, how can you not answer a question? Not even a, I offered it and um, I have a job to do. He just repeated an answer to the previous question. Like, I didn't hear that. No, I didn't hear that question. To me, it was really rude. On that basis alone, I feel that the BBC should do a complaint about his actions because I don't see how that's okay. That's not okay. You've, You've come on to do an interview and then you're not even answering questions. That's ridiculous. But yeah, overall, he definitely should go. He should go. And I think some students should get compensation. They're lazy. And that's mm-hmm. why they've done this in the first place, I think. They just they just try to do like a quick fix, like let's put a plaster in it. And it just totally backfired. Um, and yes, I agree. They should all lose their jobs. Like it is just unacceptable. The amount of pressure that students are put under to um, perform, you know, at school. They've been through probably the worst conditions that they've ever lived through in their lives and to put this on it's just insult to injury as far as I'm concerned um and yeah someone needs to pay for that I think and then also as well teachers are biased right so even this case of like oh it's what your teacher predicted like if I was relying on what my teachers predicted do you think I would have got the grades that I got no way do you know what I mean because my teachers always underestimated me when we talked a little bit about that last week do you know what I mean and the frustration that we all kind of had a similar story that teachers were do you know what I mean they didn't always necessarily think the best of us or even best of our ability as well across subjects so no I would not be comfortable at the moment as a parent of a child like relying on what the teachers thought do you know what I mean especially when it comes to black children especially when it comes to black West Indian children and black West Indian boys they get uh, predicted the worst grades out of everybody and it's not it's not on do you know what I mean so I just think yeah just some someone's head needs to roll like I'm I'm you know do you know what I mean this is enough to swing my vote, whoever's gonna <laughs> whoever's gonna deal with this, that's that's the one that can swing my vote because it's 
totally unacceptable. It was amazing to me that um, there was, it was 280,000 results that were downgraded. Imagine. Ooh. Imagine. Do you know how many people that's affected? Even with the change, like you said, Auntie Nana, there's, there's universities that these people cannot get into anymore. Their lives have been dramatically changed and their lives have been changed anyway because they weren't able to take their exams and finish the year. So it's just actually disgusting. What's disgusting is that the government at first defended their system yeah. and said that um, the, it was a robust system of de- and a great approach of way of, of determining grades. That, that was from the prime minister himself. Yeah. It's only when people took to the streets and, you know, contacted their local MPs, even the Conservative MPs were up in arms about it, that they decided to make this dramatic U-turn. And it's just been called out as being a shambles, because that's what it is. It's an absolute shambles. Just quickly before I come to you, Nana, um, it was like 40% of predicted results were downgraded with some students marked down two or even three grades, which resulted in many losing university places, as we said. And there was a tweet that I saw that said, somehow, even this U-turn is a shambles. What does this mean for young people that were already rejected by their first choice? If courses are full, can government provide funding for more places like governments are doing in France? Apparently that's happening in France. And it's interesting, I also saw commentary that, you know, we have all these protests in March, they don't seem to ever work. This one seemed to be... Uh, um, quite effective and actually well, apart from I'm sure they had it in place anyway that they had to U-turn because it was just a disastrous result all round but it was interesting because lots of Gen Z's were commend- commending themselves and patting themselves on the back saying yes we did it Gen Z's <laughs> took to the streets and we <laughs> the narrative so <laughs> something like that good on you go on Gen Z's God bless you I mean whatever makes you feel empowered I guess <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, from when Scotland like went back on it as well, I was thinking I can't believe England wouldn't mm. eventually. So I don't know. I think just trying to appeal and contacting your MPs would probably do it anyway than the kind of street activity. But if it makes you feel big, bad, and bold, that's great because that's what we need: people feeling big, bad, and bold. But yeah, also there was a thing where initially before they did the U-turn, they were trying to say that if you've appealed your position, if you appealed, it would affect, have a knock-on effect on other people. So they made you feel guilty. Like if I was to appeal my, my grade D and then I got elevated to a grade back to my uh, grade, the person below me would might get pushed down as well. So there's a lot of head, head messing and head right. fucking that was going on there. Shade, is there any comments on Facebook? Yes, there's a few. So, Andrea Minto. I can't understand why previous results at schools would be part of the equation. He needs to go. I think that's in response to Dominic. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he will. Oh, even though he's hanging on for dear life right now, kids have lost a lot of uni places over this. Um, think they should reset clearing. I think that's a good idea, actually. And then mint tea. Um, the issue is the same when coronavirus happens. Our government had more than enough time to make decisions, but instead went into lockdown late. And now we are late after the release of the A-levels and a day before GCSEs to make decisions. That's very true. Um, Zell Sugar said, yep, bias teachers for real. Damn right. And then mint tea says, there's no perfect solution. But teachers' assessments over an untested algorithm is still more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I would agree. I would agree. Over a machine. And what? Based- over what? a machine, but the machine shouldn't be in the, the, the opposition. Do you know no, what I mean? It should have been. Yeah. 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 What's interesting, though, is that when they did this algorithm, the private schools noted highest levels of achievement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Record levels yeah. of mm-hmm. achievement. So, I mean, it's just... It's just, we know, we, we see it all. And it's, I think, 
Yeah. And God, the U-turn, but it's still not resolved and it's still an ongoing issue. I'm sure we'll be revisiting yeah. it in due course. Next story, which is one we should have talked about last week. We're <laughs> so I, it was my it was my mad last week and I'm going to talk about it this week because it's still relevant so Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B unless you've been living under a rock somewhere released a single on the 7th of August with a very explicit inverted commas video um, women have been lapping this up for want of a better word. Um, <laughs> so I, I've noticed that women everywhere have been, you know, praising the story and um, praising the song, sorry. They've now broken records. They've, um, they're the first rap duo to reach this, this level of a debut uh, ever. Um, it's Cardi's fourth number one. It's Megan's um, second. They've broken a lot of records. As I said, they've gone gold within the first week of um, sales. You've got celebrities coming out and praising them for, you know, showing the fact that women, can, we can talk about how we want it and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. But on the flip side, you've got all these men ranging from politicians to rap artists talking about how disgusting they are. What do you ladies think about the whole controversy and about the song itself? If a kid is listening to this, of course, it's not for them. Let's just put that out there. Do you know what I mean? This, this song is not for kids. Um, just like a lot of rap music is not for kids. So bar the kids, right? I don't see what the frigging problem is. Honestly, I really don't see what the problem is. As far as I'm concerned, this is not even half as bad as Lil' Kim, first of all. Do you know what I mean? Who yeah. is held as a great legend. And then just comparing it to the guys, like, are you serious? Two Live Crew, are they serious? I can't get through a rap track without them talking about some sort of pussy something. Do you know what I mean? So I, I don't understand. Like, as black women, I think if you're into hip-hop, as a lot of us are, you can't... You, uh, Compartmentalise. Um, that's it. Um, there's too many syllables in that one. <laughs> but, like, you put in a little box of those, those offensive things. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? But we're so used to just traditionally just do that and we're so used to doing it that you don't actually when you're an adult now and you're looking back to what you used to listen to some of those things you're just like whoa okay it's a little bit racy I can't really actually share that this song that I loved when I was you know 14 15 16 I can't really share that with my my niece and nephew because it's a lot do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. you wouldn't want them to think like that or think that that's what you was into you know so um I just think Nah, they're just talking for talking's sake. They're just trying to be relevant. And also, it's just another way to censor women, to be honest. And I'm not here for it. I also feel the same damn way. I grew up listening to hip-hop as well and listening to tunes that I don't think my first hip-hop, like, memorable, nasty tune was Two Life Crews or was it Ice T's? Whoever did No Matter, It Doesn't Matter, Just Don't Bite It. Talking about the ways a woman would give them fellatio. Yes, fellatio. <laughs> fellatio. Fellatio. Fellatio is back. For all of those who don't know what she said, she meant fellatio. I mean fellatio. So all those type of things, those are the tunes I was listening to and I was a very young child. So if you're talking about shaping our perspective and damaging society, I think it's Snoop talking about bitches ain't shit or bitches ain't hoes and tricks and all the men rappers that said they hated, practically hated us as women calling us bitches, hoes, we're not worth nothing, we're not worth wifeying, and then if we are worth wifeying, we have to be able to give the best head, swallow all the juices that come out of their body. And cook. <laughs> and cook, and have the tightest panani, but yet have the flexibilist panani, and do all the shapes, and all the flexibility, have a fat ass, have big tits, 
everything, everything that we are, you know, all the negatives that come into our community as black folks, I'm speaking specifically, which has spilled out into wider society, has actually been quite heavily dictated by rappers, male rappers, and their perspectives on how they see women. So if, a, if two women want to talk about how juicy, the pussy that you guys have been describing for many years of hip hop, you have been talking about how juicy a panani needs to be in order for you to attack it with your big beastly dick, why the hell, if women are co-signing this, you are arguing now. Now you're cousin. Now you want to tell us that we're just destroying society for this song. Come on, get out, shut up, get out. Now I could individually, because it's so funny, my daughter brought it to me. I saw it, hadn't listened to it. Then my daughter had it, oh, Cardi B. I was like, okay, so me and my daughter watched it together. Weird. Um, <laughs> weird moment in time, because she's growing up listening, with me listening to hip hop, and there are some tunes I'm like, yeah, I can't have... I can't be rapping this in front of my daughter, but she also knows. Um, so we watched it together. That was a moment of unity between mother and daughter. I don't think the tune's amazing. I think there are better tunes, but you know, it says what it says. I am a little bit auntie-ish now. So it's a bit like, oh, do you need to say all of those things? It's a little bit too much. Again, but that's not to say, but if we're going to talk about hip hop in large and the lyrical content, then we can have an argument, but not because they're women and not because of men, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think that's the end of my rant. I think, go for it. I didn't like Cardi B's boob top. I, I preferred Little Kim's one titty, but this two titties in my face was a lot. I don't understand it. I prefer Megan's look. And we're talking about looks and styles in the video. <laughs> um, there you go. Wow, you guys covered a lot. Um, I, what I did like was Cardi's response to all of the criticism. Mm. Just basically like, you know, it, there's so many different female rappers out there who nobody pays any mind to, who are conscious, who are talking about the black mm -hmm. community, who are talking about black families and are very positive, but nobody buys them. But then you want another rapper who, and she is, she does ratchet ho shit. Mm -hmm. And you want to be like, you need to change up your ways. No, don't <laughs> take to anybody what they should be doing with their life. If it's not to your taste, switch off and you find what is to your taste. I think CeeLo, to me, was the Imagine. biggest one. Like, oh, look at you with your known self. Like, really, like you, allegedly, CeeLo has very dubious sexual encounters with women. And now you want to talk about how women should be talking about sex. Like, like he needed to keep his mouth shut. That was clout chasing. But really, all it did to me was just show CeeLo needs a mute CeeLo campaign. Like, actually, yeah. like, you just got past your dubious sexual escapades by the skin of your flipping no-neck. And now you want to start chatting again. <laughs> like, really. But, yeah, like, a few people's comments, I was like, oh, okay, I see, I see how you guys are. You don't want to talk about men. But when women are starting to get some notoriety, then you want to start talking about the black family. And this is the destruction of the black family. This is the destruction of the black family. One tune about a pussy. Really, that's the destruction, yeah? With all of the thousands about killing my man here and beef there and did it. Okay. That's, yeah. It was disappointing. He's now come out and apologised, though. Um. <laughs> he said... I would never disrespect them, but you did, bruv. Now, my thing about the song, it's not like the most amazing song in the world, but I like it. I like the song. I listened to, I watched the video first, and then I listened to the, the record, and I was like, I kind of get pleasure when someone puts, when they're rapping, the way that they put things together in a lyrical content, I kind of get pleasure. It, it makes me laugh. I like it. I find it amusing. Like, 
Snoop's Ain't No Fun is one of the best records that I, I've ever heard because I find it amusing. I like when he says, if you can't fuck that night, lay back and open your trap. I'm like this. Oh my God, that's so rude. And equally, when Cardi B said, I don't want to, I want to gag, I want to choke, I want, all that kind of stuff. I want you to hit that dangly thing in the back of my throat. It's things that people <laughs> think about but would never verbalise. And when she says it, it makes so much sense. I do it when it's inside. Who talks about that? No one don't talk about that stuff. Men don't get that stuff, let's face it. So I thought it was amazing. The most controversial, controversial comment for me came from Russell Brand. Now, oh yes, uh, thank me. you. I forgot about that. Russell Sorry. Brand came out and said, "If male hip hop uh, troops are about potency of the male sexuality, and then the female video is a sort of celebration of sexual potency, it's an emulation of a template that already exists and is established by males." That is what Russell Brand came out and said. He basically slammed it. And it was just like, you know what, Russell Brand, shut the fuck up. Because when you want to do your comedy and you want to chat <laughs> shit and you want to talk about fucking gal up the bum and all types of shit, that's okay though, isn't it? That's okay, Russell Brand. Sit down, shut up. It's not for you. Not everything is for you. Be quiet. If you don't like it, like Jay-Z said, switch off. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to listen to it. Okay, yeah, so I watched that, yeah. And the thing is, I used to like Russell Brand. I can't lie, I did used to like him. So I was just thinking, what, 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 what are you doing here? What, you know, you're just what <laughs> you like, what, who invited you? Like, you know what I mean? I just thought, like, this is, yeah, this, this, this is what, this is a perfect example because you have no business. Who are you to tell women how to act or what to do? or how they're processing, or what they're... Just shut up. Just shut your mouth. Like, shut your mouth. And I think people read him for filth on Twitter, to be yeah, honest. So I don't really even need to add my own, because it was a lot. And I think he'll probably come with some sort of apology um, in a couple of days. Why are you even speaking on this? It's not your brand, Russell Brand, okay? Exactly. <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> Sorry, because you know what? I'm just so baffled. You're talking about the whole Russell Brand has reinvented himself as a guru of peace and love and chill. Yeah. That guy, the guy who's that a guy. Femi- the feminist guy, yeah. He's a, I thought he's a new reborn feminist now, even though he's performed all these sexual dr- drugs and deviant ways. He's now become a guru person, right? No, because now yeah. he's married with children. Because so. my point is, because you know, it's so funny. This is why I switched off the Child. other day. The other day, I was going, I was looking for some stuff to listen to, meditation, all that type of stuff, conversations. And he's got his whole new strand of conversation that he's having about being mm. spiritual. So I almost, because sometimes, sometimes he makes sense to me. And I switched off, I was like, I can't hear this guy. I actually don't want to listen to him. I did not know he said that. I knew my chakras were aligning with his bullshit. And it was like, you were <laughs> you. Fuck him, how dare you? And the thing is, do you know what? If he's trying to say that this is a woman's response to a patriarchal setup of what sexuality and femininity can be, I kind of understand that if that's what he's saying, but that's not for him, definitely not for him to talk about. And that's for us to set up as a conversation that we want to control, not for you. I understand the conversation that it's very hard because we've been so male dominated and brash, aggressive, abrasive sexual conversation in hip hop is a thing standard set by men. If women are responding in the same way, then you could argue that then we're responding in a similar way to men. That's got nothing to do with nothing though. And it's not your argument to set up. Let us women, let us aunties have a conversation about sexuality and patriarchy and all that type of shit. Not for you, Russell fake guru. 
Brad. Oh my, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I was just reading, reading what he said, and I don't disagree with a lot of the points that he was making, other than it annoys me when men try and think that whatever women do to affirm themselves is like you're trying to be men um yeah and i think that there are other ways to convey the support without it being like you're trying to be men exactly but that was the only thing with him really i just think there's other ways to think about it just open up a bit more but i don't disagree with a lot of what he said it was just a lot of mansplaining from my point of view his comments it was just like i don't need you to tell me how to act like sit down shut up um, one last final thing, what was funny, there's a um, conservative politician in America who was so outraged by it. His name is Ben Sharp Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He decided that he's going to read out the lyrics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Such an idiot. <laughs> Here are the lyrics. <laughs> just, yeah, that was just funny. It was the memes that came afterwards, like showing him being so dead at sex, basically, because <laughs> yeah. you're by that. Your woman is so distressed, Ben. Um, Shadow, there any comments on Facebook? So Ray Obi has a few comments, but one of them is Bashment tracks that I was singing at 15 were Ray even Ray. worse than Cardi and Meg. That's yeah. very true. <laughs> yeah. She also says it scares me that women's expressions around sex should be policed in this way as though they're not um, consenting adults mm-hmm. and men speaking on this a topic need to take several seats. And let's, let's talk about the real tea. Why exactly was Kylie Jenner in the video though? Okay. That to me is what we should be unpacking. Okay, right. <laughs> to be fair, Kylie has been problematic this week, but in general, she doesn't, um, disturb me as much as the other Kardashian slash Jenners, right? But her being in the video was to me just like an ad break. That's that's what it was. It was like, okay, we've done the first act and now we've got an ad and then there's the second bit. Do you know what I mean? So I did think like, what, what's happening here? But I mean, she looked cute. You know, the, the look that she's going for, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really have a major problem for it. It's interesting. Um, and also as well, like, she is one of the, arguably, the most talked about women in the world at the moment kind of thing. So to have her in the video for Meg and Cardi, that's massive. And this will probably go down in history as well. And it does make sense if you're looking at all the desirable women in that kind of realm, looking at it from that spectrum, then it makes sense that she's there. Funnily enough, Kylie Jenner is actually one of the ones that irritate me the most out of that click. Yeah, she actually irritates me the most. But um, I think it was a smart move by Cardi. You know, she had all these up and coming artists that are doing big things and she wants to promote them. Anything that Kylie Jenner does is going to be seen by millions of people. Not Mm. saying that Cardi and Meg didn't have that already, but it was a smart move from her. It was funny that um, all these online petitions were Petition. done to get her out. <laughs> the, memes, the memes that were done about her being in there were hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, her surgeon has done an amazing job. That's what I've got to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I saw her and I was like, oh, please. And that's it. She is polarising, isn't she? I was surprised at how much hate she has levelled at her because I, I thought she was more the popular one. Like Kim yeah. usually gets slammed. But I didn't mm. think Kylie got slammed. So I was mm. surprised when people was like, why is Ky- Kylie in there? I thought she was the liked Jenna. Like, you know, she was the liked Kardashian of, of the bunch. But I guess all of them are pretty much not really liked anymore. But then they have so much appeal 
So adding her is brilliant marketing. I feel like it would have been even better if they had had Jordan Woods in there as well. Yeah. Like where none of the women were in the same place at the same time. I think that would have been bombshell. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would have been brilliant. But um, yeah, other than that, just for the internet bats of it, I think Jordan would have been a good one to add. I think people were a bit, little bit disappointed because it's a black woman's video. And I think maybe like, well, what do you go and dash their own for? But it's a business move and it made sense. Okay, so my story is Lauren Hill's daughter. Do, is it pronounced Sela or Sela? I thought it was Sela. Sela. I thought it was Sela. No worries. So Sela, she's going through a healing process. So she went on live. Um, on a number of days and on one of the days she spoke about the trauma that she has felt that her mum and her dad put her through for her dad being absent and her mum beating the children like that was reminiscent of beating a slave is how she described it that they used to get proper beats with a belt you went and got your belt and then she would beat you and through that, lots of people picked up on the two hour where she talks about lots of other things. I've watched it, but they picked up on those moments when she's talking about her parents and basically used it to bash Lauren Hill and the Marley. His name's gone out of Rowan. my head. Rowan Marley. So my question really is, is the airing of our dirty laundry in public. Is there a good way to do this? Should we ever do this? And then on the back of that, Jaguar Wright airing out the Roots' business and Erica Badu and Jill Scott as well. Should this be practiced? I think there's a bit of naivete in doing a whole live and then expecting people not to pick up when they're all the child of Bob Marley's descendant and Lauren Hill. Like you cannot expect to do a live story and talk about something as controversial as being beaten and not know that people are going to focus on, ignore everything else you said and focus on the negative. That's what humans do. So that was a bit of naivete on her part. But the wider conversation that I'm seeing that she was talking about is just the trauma of being beaten and some of the stuff that we carry as black people in the community. So as a conversation and the way that we do things now, we speak on lies, we have these conversations in the public, help us mass heal. So I don't think she was wrong for doing it. I think she's just a bit naive in expecting people not to react to the bit that everyone's going to react to. You're talking about Lauren Hill and Rohan Marley. Come on. You have to know that no one's going to hear anything else you have to say past, yeah, they beat me and I'm traumatised. And that's Lauren Hill. She's got a reputation of being a taskmaster. She has been through it and her comeback, her apology was, um, I can understand. She went through a lot, Lauren, and she's one of the first to do it in many, many ways. She was isolated, she was on her own, and she, had, she was living trauma out in front of our eyes. And she didn't have the same outlets that we have today, I think, as a black woman in hip hop. Um, conscious one, ironically, at that, considering what Jaguar Wright's saying about the conscious facade, where it's not as righteous as we think. So all these people that are walking around with their incense and their mumus and their dashikis mm. and their ankhras and sh whatever, and unks, whatever, they're not really true to life. And so I think for our benefit, this helps. However, and I think sometimes this whole thing of airing our dirty laundry, it tends to be for the effect of, for how we look in front of white people. And I've always had a thing about how black people like to police, we like to police ourselves in front of white people. And I don't like that. Let's police ourselves for us. Not because no matter what you do, whether you wear a suit or wear baggy trousers, they're going to shoot you and kill you and call you, assume that you're a criminal or a babe mother, all that type of stuff. So it's policing ourselves for ourselves. Is it right for us to put, um, air our laundry out towards ourselves? Forget about the white folks who are watching. So that's kind of my, where I'm at with it. What was interesting about Sayla, Sayla, whatever her name is, um, is that she said that uh, it was like some slave shit and all black parents are on that slave ownership. Ugh. That's the bit that I'm like, so, 
God, you're so dramatic, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the only bit. Lauren Hill came out and she said that, you know, she's allowed to express herself, not her, like her daughter. She doesn't see anything wrong with it. Her daughter is allowed to express herself. They've had conversations about the fact of what it was like for people who grew up with Nazi people hunting them with, you know, grew up being slaves and having to parent through that. And she said that there was a lot of pressure put on her during her rise and fall, if you call it a fall. And then that obviously projected how she raised her children. So I think she's had conversations herself and looked at herself about what she's done. In terms of the other thing about airing our dirty laundry, I think that we have to hold people accountable. I think that the problem with R. Kelly, for example, is that he was protected amongst our community for such a long time. And there is a historical thing of we can't let the black man look a certain way. So we'll protect him and his wrongdoings so that he isn't looked on by other people a certain way. And I think that in order for us to, I've said this before, in order for us to um, expect to be treated in a certain way by the wider world, we have to be able to recognise when we are also at fault. For someone who's beaten as a child regularly, um, I definitely wasn't beaten like a slave because uh, that's impossible to know what that's like. So I think that is, I agree with you, Auntie Farah is very dramatic. I'm kind of on the fence because on one side, no, actually, my thing is, what's the intent Mm. behind it? What is the intent on your sharing? Because I do think, yes there's opportunity to learn sometimes or, you know, speak to people who may be going through a certain thing, same thing that you are and that sort of thing. It's not about exposing Lauren. Do you know what I mean? She hasn't got kids now that she's beating. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not that. So what is the intent? Are you just mad at your mum and you kind of just want to get her back so you decide to do this on a live? Do you know what I mean? Because you could go through this process and do this healing. It doesn't have to be on a live though. It doesn't have to be with an audience. And I think that sometimes there is, especially when you've dealt with trauma as a child, there is this whole needing mass love. Do you know what I mean? Or getting that love from various different places or, or like, like a constant craving for it. And that needs to be worked through and dealt with, not in this way this is enabling it I think personally um so I'm a bit not really that's not really sitting well with me in terms of like generally airing dirty laundry I think when I watched Jaguar right I think yeah it is intent again that was difficult that was really difficult because it's obviously like you know some of the people she's talking about you know their tracks and their music has impacted my life you know and um it was a difficult watch I think there's a bit of sensationalism in there as well. Yep. But I do think like if we're talking about predatory, illegal behavior, then yes, I do think it should be, do you know what I mean? It should be aired. And I do think it should be dealt with, but I do think there needs to be a follow-up though, right? So I'm not really all for this whole, oh, let's just take everything, but not deal with the criminality on it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because that is that's the missing piece because what you're saying is they can just go and continue but because you've purged now you're okay what about the other victims Mm -hmm. what about the other people that are suffering and that i know this probably won't come i think is a very selfish act i think i'm coming back to intent like what is the intent of having that conversation what is the intent of doing that in front of an audience um you know and also like where is the care with the wider effect of everything as well. That's what I come back to. With Silent, I felt there was that young kind of Instagram age of, I'm going through this 
healing process, as she was calling it, but I'm going to do it publicly with a bunch of strangers. And that courting of attention just seemed to really be like, even as she's slamming the press for picking up on this, it's like, there's still really lots of attention on you at this moment. And it just felt like that's what you're really after. So as an auntie, I did feel I appreciated Lauren's response. But at the same time, I think, I hope within their household, the yeah. family is really embracing her. Like, actually, you probably should step away from social media at this time and really do some real healing work because healing outwardly isn't what it is. Like, going on live and crying and purging that way isn't what it is. Like, actually have somebody with you and do the internal work under guidance, not the guidance of strangers on Instagram. Jaguar right in a similar way, it's the same type of spilling and purging. And I don't know, there's so much hurt. Each time I watch her, I am like, I, I get a tight chest watching her kind of raging because I feel so much for what she's held in all of these years. But then it is quite illuminating on all of these stars and the burnout that so many artists go through. It makes sense for the intense fuckeries that they're probably living under from various different sources it is like yeah it's it totally it's understandable that somebody that is really famous in their early 20s they're lucky if they make it to mm -hmm. the end of their 30s yeah. to their 40s and they usually die in their 50s mm -hmm. like it's like this is what other industry has this trajectory mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you die so young and there's so many of them that die really young and it's just like i i admire her speaking about it. I wish there was more people to join her in an embrace of let's try and change this than it be one woman raging against an industry really. I feel like then what you guys were saying is slightly similar, but maybe the topics change the support maybe, because I think in the same way that Jaguar White is exposing a, a thing that happens in the industry that we're not privy to, those say, like, I didn't watch Sellers thing and I, it sounded young. Like I said, her naivete and being upset that people are reacting to the bit that's the most controversial is silly. It's childish. But at the same time, there is an element of this oppression, this suppressed voice that we have, even down to WAP, all these type of things that we cannot speak about things because we're so beholden to our community because we know or we've been brainwashed to the point that anything negative about our community will affect us in a wider realm. And so we don't like to talk about things. That's why things like abuse, physical or sexual and misogynoir, all those type of things. We keep it within, we try to keep it within closed doors. And now we have this outlet, which is the internet for better or for worse. I'm not someone that will take to internet and purge myself. I wouldn't do that. However, and I wouldn't, I'd hope to God my daughter wouldn't do that in later life. However, there's an element of understanding why people feel I need to get it out of my chest. And the best way to be heard and to maybe dump it, selfishly it is, but also freeing because there's this space where I can get rid of it because I've been holding it for so long and it will reach as many people. And that re response back is maybe what that person needs. It's a form of purging. It's a new, it's a new, you know, internet is a new church, the new pulpit. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's entirely wrong. I don't agree with all of it, but I don't think it's entirely wrong, but I definitely think you, what, need, the traditional, you need the traditional methods in place. You, I hope that Sella's got, as you said, Auntie Sade, family counseling, because both her mum and dad have come out and supported her in her out her outpouring so I hope that they are doing stuff internally and I really hope Lauren is getting the wealth because that hasn't been a long 
reputation. Because also for me, sorry, it helps me, it helps understand Lauren more because she's got all this reputation about being mad and being um, a tyrant and all that type of stuff. But with her child, you know, releasing some of that kind of gives maybe, maybe people more empathy to understand where Lauren's coming from. Because she's been long trying to explain that all the stuff she went through during the Fuji years and beyond was a lot for her. And actually maybe her child saying this gives some backstory and some explanation to verification to what Lauren has been trying to express in all the stuff that goes on about her. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's right completely, but I'm not completely mad at it. But then saying that I have, it hasn't happened to me. So I'm maybe speaking from a little bit of a protective bubble as well. Why I just don't agree with it. It's just like, because there's this, this whole instant gratification thing, right? So we're looking at it from her point of view. She's a daughter of, you know, she's got celebrity blood, let's say that kind of thing. She's got royal celebrity blood. Um, do you know what I mean? So she's going to get a response. Do you know what I mean? If we encourage this kind of behavior, what do you do with someone that doesn't, get, doesn't have that kind of audience? Do you know what I mean? Who's looking for help and thinks that that is the way to do it because that's what they see their celebrities do. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and, and they don't get that response. Like how, like, I just don't, I just, I think like, where is the care? The people in the comments, they're not necessarily qualified to help you, even though they're giving you a response. It's not necessarily the best response. It can be quite enabling, encouraging in the wrong way, all of that kind of stuff. And then Jaguar right? The, why I'm so uneasy as well, and I know she recognised it, but she was complicit. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? In some of these things. So it's just like, like who is this for? I, I can't um, sympathise with you because you let other women be harmed. Do you know what I mean? You turned you, the other cheek. I know that she was going through her own thing as well. I get that. But it's like with the um, Maxwell story. You know, those girls that were bringing other girls for him, they're complicit. There has to be a cutoff. There has to be something that you are responsible for your actions as well. Otherwise, no one has responsibility. Where does it end? It's textbook manipulation and uh, abuse for abusers to do that. So I don't know if I can say if I can say that they're complicit in that black and white kind of sense. Because if you watch the R. Kelly documentary, the um, surviving R. Kelly documentary, it was standard protocol that he would tell the girls that he was abusing to bring girls. And sometimes they've done that, maybe selfishly for a certain part, but to, to stop being abused by the abuser and to also make their lives a little bit easier in the state of abuse. So I think that there's a lot of things that you need to take into consideration. I, I'm not saying it has to be the, the kind of uh, uh, repercussions or whatever it's called. Like it has to be a strong, but there needs to be an understanding that they are complicit. Because even Ghislaine, yeah, who's um, arrested now, do you know what I mean? She can use the same argument, you know, and get away with the whole thing that she's done. I think for Jaguar, she's definitely spoken about that and done proper full-on apologies for her part in actually like not speaking about it and not defending some of the the rappers and singers that came into their proximity that as she says they blocked because they were too talented and she didn't go into too much but I think something happened to the one that she really wants to get in contact with I think it's Flo Brown who she put out an appeal for quite a few times saying like I will stand by you now. I know that I didn't back you back then, and I'm really so, like she properly went on maybe three different lives apologizing for all the different things where she was like I was complicit in not saying anything, 
and witnessing gangbangs taking place. But then when she did speak about it to the management, that's when they started blackballing her, like, you're difficult. When she was saying, I can't be on a bus with these men because of what's going on, then it's like, why would you want your own tour bus? But why would I want to be on a tour bus where there's basically young women being abused here? How strong is one woman, though? How strong is one voice when you're surrounded by tens and their men? I do get that, and I know it's difficult, and I know it's complex and stuff, but there does need to be a point where it's just like, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice this because this can't happen to another woman. It's not worth it. It's not worth another woman's trauma for me to have a career. Do you know what I mean? Or have this type of career. Do you know what I mean? Because there's more than one way to get it. There is that. And then also as well, you're putting a call out. You could be re-traumatizing that woman. Mm -hmm. It's all very self. Like, what about the other people? What about that? Like, everyone's coming it from their own personal. Oh, I'm, do you know what I mean? But what about the people that you're also hurting? And I think that is unfair. I really, I really do strongly about it. Okay, are there any comments on the Facebook? On the Facebook. Ray Obi says, in regards to Lauren Hill, said she stopped hitting her daughter at 10. And she also says, as the only girl, it may be that there are some issues around that and the rest between the two females. I don't know, she's got two daughters or... Maybe two mother and daughter issues, I don't know. Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. Auntie's no best. Yeah. Auntie's no best. All right, I'm. I'm going to sing it to you guys. Who goes first? Auntie's no best. All right, I'm coming. I'm coming. All right, somebody else. Okay. No, I need to get. I need to get okay, my auntie auntie Shade, auntie. Dear aunties, <laughs> love the show. Love the show. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the show. I have a beautiful goddaughter who is six, going on seven. Her mother is my best friend, who I've known since primary school. My goddaughter has always struggled to make friends and often plays by herself. I think that she slightly scares the other kids away because she does things that are quite odd, like pulling off wings of flies, putting off legs of insects and, you know, messing with birds and that type of thing. But I've always put this down to childish curiosity. However, recently, against my wishes, she got a puppy. And within a month... That puppy was dead. No. No, 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 no. No. All right. It's not funny. It's not funny. Can we be serious, auntie, please? It's not funny. My good daughter can't explain what happened and she's not showing any emotion. Okay, I'm going to go first and say Uh, no, thank you. I've tried. I'm not I've tried to talk to my friends about it, but... Like most mothers, she has a blind spot when it comes to her child. I'm at a loss. What should I do? It seems like, and it's all, we've all watched all the shows, we've all seen all the stories about serial killers and how they started off pulling wings off animals and then killing their in-home pets and stuff like that. We don't normally, I'm assuming we're black, we're black women. I'm assuming our audience are predominantly black. It's not something I afford to black children, but hey, we're not exempt, I guess. Um, so I'm assuming, I have no idea who this person is. The common sense thing would be to get your child some therapy and have a conversation and stuff like that. Or it could just be projection. And the, 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 the puppy was greedy when they ate some rotten chicken that they found in the back of the cooker or something like that. Who knows? I don't know. Get the child some therapy. I mean, I just, I can't. I, I... We've all seen Don't Fuck With Cats, right? I mean. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? 
Okay, so there's childhood curiosity. And I will admit that when I was a child, I used to do some things that some people might have looked upon as strange with ants. Yeah? Like I, used to capture, I used to capture ants and put them out in the sun and shit like that. What? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people have done experiments with ants. Thank you very much, Nana, for not looking at me like I'm a serial yeah, killer. Ants were a standard. So it wasn't like cats and dogs, it was ants. Anyway, but basically, we all know, I said don't fuck with cats because we all know that this is where it starts, isn't it? She needs to get her daughter some therapy and she needs to not be concerned about what people are going to think about her. She needs to be concerned about whether or not she's going to be like um, this woman, the mum in Psycho <laughs> in like <laughs> 10 years' time, stuffed and sitting in a rocking chair while her daughter wears her clothes. That's what she needs to be concerned about. So therefore, my advice would be to get some therapy for you and your child. You know, there's, there's personality disorders. So mm. I would think if the puppy was in the child's care and the puppy died, and the child is like, I don't know what happened. Even, let's just take, oh, something happened, it heart failed or whatever. I still think just going to a therapist to assess their personality. If they have any personality disorders that you can see, like, you know, most psychopaths, they don't have empathy. Mm -hmm. So just as a trait, it's like, that's a common thread. But that doesn't mean that they're also going to be killers. Sometimes it's just that you're going to manage their emotions in different ways to try and get empathy going in them or you can try and get to compassion or sympathy like you just try and give them a little bit more it's just their personality is shaped in a different way I think if you leave it and you let them run roughshod and something happens that is traumatic that's when they could turn into psychopaths because they're close to it so I think you've got, you've got to keep on having talks with your friends. Like, you know, you don't want to stack up the remember when she killed this and remember when <laughs> the fist stopped. Like, you don't want the killing. So maybe you try and find more subtle ways to see, actually, does she respond to other kids in a compassionate way? Mm -hmm. Is she not compassionate to everybody, to everything? Does she lack empathy and all things? Or is she really inquisitive to how bodies work because maybe she just needs to spend some time in the science museum auntie nana what you were saying before was like dexter basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know that turned up. i mean seriously yeah um, i mean i can't lie the african auntie in me is shipping her first of all <laughs> to where <laughs> to nigeria go and kill, goats. To to kill nigerian dogs <laughs> no to go receive deep prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and holy water baths. Wow. That's the African honey in me. But no, obviously, yes, definitely go therapy. But as the friend, if I'm talking to my friend, like, I would have to like say, like, look, it's a bit scary, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a bit scary. Let's go together. Take it to therapy together. Do you know what I mean? I support you. But it's very, very odd like, this is Norman Bates. Find <laughs> the knives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's odd. So, yeah, I think, yeah, def definitely therapy is the one for me. Yeah, sure. Okay. Dear aunties, 
I'm having a hard time trying to get my friend to discover a new hobby with me or do something different to what we usually do. I often find myself with spare time on my hands as the job I started about a year ago is pretty much nine to five and that's it. My previous job cut into my spare time quite often, which is one of the reasons I look for something new. And though I don't miss the headache of the other job, I'm noticing that I miss doing something. I'm not really a fan of binge watching Netflix shows and stuff like that. I do read, but that's usually something I do before bed. Whenever I ask my friends to try something new with me, I'm met with a range of reasons from can't afford it to too busy to just being ignored. Obviously things are different since lockdown, but as things are slowly going back to normal and on the back of realizing life is too short, I really want to try lots of new things. I love my friends and I want to share new experiences with them. How can I convince them to get on board with some new stuff? Help me. You can't make anyone do anything they don't want to. And if you want to have some new experiences, then maybe you should try to do some new experiences that you can do on your own. You shouldn't just put them all around being with your friends. You shouldn't. I mean, as a group of friends, occasionally we all do things for the other person in the group because that's what friends do. But ultimately, you changed your jobs. They didn't. You don't know what their workloads or the, the rest of their life is like. Just try and focus on, you know, yourself. And that's it. And there's always people, other people that you don't know yet that would be interested in the new things that you're, so it's actually like you use this newfound adventure within you to find new friends that want to go on this adventure and then you still have your other friends there. It's like actually use this as an opportunity to widen your circle. Just get new friends, man. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Just like, oh, I mean, add to it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like... (laughs) I mean, when I, when I read this, I felt the nostalgia. I felt that thing of, you know, you're, people are quite tired. Some people are tied to their friends a lot. They really want to, are excited to try new things. They see it through their friends' lens. But I think, you know, Facebook, I know from, I know a friend who wanted to try new things. Wanted actually, actually, I think she actually did a Facebook saying, I need new friends. I don't have a best friend. I don't have people to I share certain things with. And I'm looking for people who are in the same space as me. And maybe, and I don't know if it worked for her, but it, and it was maybe something that if you're confident, you wouldn't necessarily think about doing, but Put something out on Facebook, create a group. Look, there are loads of groups on Facebook that are like meetup.com. Meet, uh, meetup, yeah, mm, exactly. Meetup.com. That's what it's there for. Yeah, look yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're not a shy person and you're in up for meeting new people, then this is definitely the way to go. But I do understand that kind of nostalgic, comfortable feeling with your best friend, and especially like, I know they'd enjoy that. I know they'd love this, and I just want them to try. So maybe we don't know what their situation is and stuff like that. But yeah, good advice, aunties. Who's next? Okay, I've got an internet one. This has been doing the round, so hopefully everybody's seen it. it My guy friend calls me and tells me his girlfriend was upset with him because her car broke down at 3am this morning and she was basically (laughs) stranded. But this is in NYC where you're never really stranded because of public transport essentially takes you everywhere. He has a car and she asks him to come where she was and take her home. It was about an hour away. He said he couldn't come because he had his eight-year-old son and didn't want to wake him up at that hour, it was 3 a.m., and bring him outside. The trains don't run at that hour because of COVID. Her choices were take four buses or get home paying over $200 for an Uber. Is he wrong for not coming to help her? Is she wrong for being upset? This is her man, right? Who didn't come and get her? That didn't come and get her. Okay. I mean... I don't think he should have come and got her because the kid is there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that seems like a no-brainer. But I do think he should at least help contribute to the fee of her going to where she's at. Because if she's come there because of him, why wouldn't you just be 
a cool no, guy. I think her car broke around. down for breaking down sake. I don't think he had anything to do with it. No, but he's com- she's coming to see him. Or is it just in general? No, her car just broke down. And she oh. was going, sorry, and she was going about her business to somewhere. Yeah, she's going about oh, her okay. business. But still, you're in a relationship. If my car go, broke down, you're not going to help me. What? What, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, seriously, you don't have to come, <laughs> you don't have to come and collect me, but what, you're not going to be on the phone while I'm calling AA? You're not going to, mm. you know, put some money in my account if I need it? Heaven forbid. But if I need it, you're not freaking, you're not going to, no, nah, 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 nah. Nah, that, that car, that car, run. They're both wrong then. They shouldn't be together. They have different expectations of what love is. <laughs> so. Number one, I'm not leaving my child to come and meet you. I'm not doing it. I'm not. So I'm at three o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, I must pick up my child when they're sleeping in their bed to come and help you, an adult who doesn't know, to have breakdown cover. Are you mad? Ooh. Firstly, you should have breakdown cover. The, I, I agree with Auntie Charlie. What he should do is say to her, babe, I, I can't come out. I've got my child. I tell you what. I'll give you some of the money towards the Uber because I don't really want you waiting on a train for the next hour or so. Let's go Uber. I'll give you half the money. That's it. But I, I really can't come out. I wish I could. I just can't. That's what should happen. And if she can't take that, then she needs to move on and get herself a new man. Because what type of man do you want if he's willing to drag his kid out into the cold at night to come and collect you? I don't know about that. I'm not sure. And as if I was the big mother... <laughs> I'd have words about that too. 100%. I think there's some variables in this. Where is she coming from? Where is she going? Because this, anecdotally, my daughter came in late yesterday and it was like close to midnight, I think last train. And she's kind of like, oh, it's late. And I don't know, because when she's been a bit younger, maybe got home a bit late, I got up and walked to her. So I don't know if she was implying that I should get out out of my bed, come walk to her, but she's 20 now. I'm trying to be and make her be independent. You chose to come home late find your way home so it's and you went out to have fun you didn't go to bring home shopping for your grandma you didn't go and you know come and do a charity walk in mount kilimanjaro okay off the train at victoria now you can't go it's nothing like that you went out with your friends to have fun you you're late home you know what time the train's finished sort yourself out so this is the same thing for this woman where were you going at 3 a.m in the morning why have you broken down well what journey were you making that you, you know, you're not sorted out. Do you know what I mean? Didn't you know that, okay, obviously your car's messed up. I don't drive, so I don't know if cars can just go kaput for no reason without any prior warning, like was the car making a click-clack noise and then it broke down, I don't know, whatever. So there's that. But secondly, there's this whole thing about kids and maybe I'm a bit rough around the edges. There's this thing about kids in a protective bubble that sometimes I think parents can be a little bit selfish about, where like, I'm not taking my kid out, but yet, on certain situations, they'll drag their kid anywhere they want to drag them if they needed to. So I'm not sure if that's a strong enough excuse. I think if you're in a relationship and the situation is precarious enough, your child was going to get in a car with you anyway. It's not like a baby or a baby that's sick. Eight years old, you're old enough. No, no, just sleep in the car and go back to bed. Usually kids are resilient and go back to bed. I'm not saying that's something that should be done on repeat and for every situation. But there's this thing that I feel like some parents do, and maybe because our child is like, if I got to go, you're getting up. I'm not waiting for you to wake up, child. This none of this namby pamby stuff. So there's a little bit of stuff around that. If it's an emergency, and your child's not going to be damaged for getting up for a one-off emergency, I don't think it's that deep. However, what everyone else has said, contribute to my situation getting home. I saw I'm your one man, babe. I need to get home. I'm in a predicament. I ain't got enough money to pay for a cab. Sort me out, yes, baby. It shouldn't be no problem. She should be upset with him if he didn't. If he was like, is it? And went back to sleep. That's the problem. <laughs> but if she didn't also sort, yeah, if she didn't sort her journey out, if there's any way she could have prevented 
this situation of her being in, then she has no right to be upset either because you got yourself into the situation. What the hell? Why are you stranded at 3am? Why is your car, you know, if you didn't do your bits and stuff like that. But I just think there's an element of overprotective of children. I, I feel like I she can't be upset. I, I just don't think it's... It's like you've brought your problem to somebody else's door for mm -hmm. them to solve it. And when the solution wasn't to your satisfactory, you're upset about it. It wasn't actually his doing. It's, it's you and your car issue. I don't really like the internet banter that I was seeing, like, no, he should pay for the Uber. Why? Did he break your car or was it your car and it broke down? Like, I just think, actually, you can't have both. You can't have this, like, independence, dependence. And when it doesn't happen, you're vexed. No, it's your car. You get home. You was at 3 a.m. Unless she really was doing an errand for him, and broke down, I think it should be on the person's generosity to offer the, a solution, but you can't demand it. And if it doesn't happen, it's not for them to sort it out. It's actually for you to then be like, oh, you know what, for my next partner, I would like somebody that goes above them and you find another personality. He shouldn't be blamed. Can I jump in and quickly say that I also don't like this argument that if women, because this gets heaped on us, it's like, well, you can't be independent and dependent because that's used as a bit of a weapon against us when we're talking about just treat us fairly. I don't Is want you to... Is it fair to call a guy at no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not, no, if I, you're I get, in distress. I think if you're in distress... <laughs> if you're in distress, well, you're not going to call him. Call, like. If I'm stuck, I'll call Farah and say, like, Auntie Farz, are you about? I would call her. So that's a relationship knowing I've got a friend who potentially, if she's in a situation to help me, she will. So I think there's an element of, as friends or partners, we have the right to call on the people that we trust and love to help us in a situation that's sticky. Now it's expectation, you're right. Expecting him to do it or her to do it or them to do it and then getting mad if they can't, genuinely can't. And, and even if they don't want to, but you have also the right thinking about the, the quid pro quo of your relationship. If you know that's something that you would do and your friend, you know that your friend would do it for you, you know that kind of thing. There's an understanding of the person that you're with. So if he's being a bastard and you know that he's being a bastard by not helping, then she has every right to be upset. But that's about the nature of your relationship. And I think it depends on the people that's involved in that relationship where the quid pro quo is on dependency. I don't think it's as black and white as he's, it's all right for him to turn over and go, oh, well, get home. But I think there are, stand, there are elements of what the situation is. Because again, if it's her fault, she's out for that. I'm talking a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. I totally agree. I just think like, why, if I'm in a relationship with someone and, you know, I'm in a distressful situation, if I call your phone, you don't answer your phone, that's a problem, first of all. Oh, but Lord. if I'm talking to you, yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? If I need your help, you should help me. Do you know what I mean? I'm in a relationship with you. Who else are you going to help, bruv? Like, who else are you going to freaking help? If the shoe was on the other foot, would you not expect me to help you? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't understand what the problem is there. Like, of course he should help. 100%. But I don't think he should drag his child across town when they're sleeping. I don't. I think that's, that's inconvenience to the child. It's got nothing to do with the child. I can help you without moving. Unless it's, like, severely dangerous mm. situation. Dark alley, you know, you see him you know, law and order in a dark alley <laughs> in a car park or something. But then he ain't going to help mean? anyway. It'll exactly. take him an hour to get there, so that's no help. It's true. Really. Serious. Men and women, we have different roles. There's equality is an ideology. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. I, we I have agree. just different, yeah, we just have different roles. That's all it is. And like, you know, if you're in a position to help me, then help me in it. Why am I even begging? You should be running to my rescue. <laughs> <laughs>
You should be throwing money at a situation. What are you talking about? He may not have any money, but that's I, okay. That's he, also if, not fair. Okay, if he doesn't have any money, that's okay. That's that's understandable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But okay. How are we going to get this money to get me out of this situation then? Do you know what I mean? Let's come with a plan together. Why don't you have breakdown cover? <laughs> no, but what if they do have breakdown cover? They can't get through to the person or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, or they're taking, I don't know. If you've got breakdown cover and you are in a vulnerable situation, they make you a priority and they come and get you and fix your things. And if they can't yeah, fix your so car, they put you on. And I'm saying this because I am a woman who's always had breakdown cover. If you're going to be an independent person and drive a car, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that if you're in a relationship, your partner shouldn't help you. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is you need to take responsibility for yourself as well. You need to be able to get your clerk home. You need to. Absolutely. So, yeah. right now, with that said, in a relationship, it's give and take, isn't it? Yeah. Because if the roles were reversed, I would help you if I could help you. Yes. If I ain't got the money... I'd have to put it on my card or something. But we'd work it out. What I'm not doing is taking my ute out. I'm not. Anyway, no, moving not on, my dilemma. Hello, aunties. I want to break up with my boyfriend, but I'm not sure how to do it. We've been together for about three years. We live together, don't have any children, but are in business together. Quite a successful catering business. We've had problems for a while, but COVID has brought them to the forefront. We haven't had sex in about six months. And before that, it was very sporadic. We're more like flatmates who happen to share a bed. For me, the relationship is over. There isn't anyone else. I'm just dumb. Whilst we've spoken about the status of our relationship in the past, for an easy life, I've always just gone along with him when he said that it will get better and that it would be hard to separate now for financial reasons. I know that things won't get any better and I want to move on. I know he won't take to it kindly, and if he does accept it, I'm scared of what he will do. He can be quite petty and, vindic- and vindictive at times. I fear that he will try to cut me out of the business, mainly because his financial investment at the start was more than my own. He's been known to do some pretty spiteful things in the past to people he has fallen out with. I'm most scared about the business. I'm happy to move out of our home as I can always stay with family until I find my feet. Is there any words of advice you can offer? Boy, that's, that's a hard situation. I feel like... She has to be prepared for the worst case scenario that you're walking away from everything, mm-hmm. including the business. Or you actually, within being together, you work out how it can be split 50-50. That may involve getting a lawyer involved so that, you know, it's all, if he goes peaked on it, you, you've actually got the law behind you to be like, I need 50% or you buy me out. But I would probably be ready for being bought out or walking away from it and having nothing to do with him and what we built together and I'd go about trying to build my own thing separately. Pettiness and if he has that character trait, he's probably going to do way more than you think he will because usually pettiness has growth and depending on how attached he is to it, you may think, oh, he's going to do this to me, but it could go elsewhere. I'll just be ready to cut ties, really. That's just how I would be. Like, I'm not going to fight. Especially not a three-year relationship, even a three-year business. It's still very new. And I think if you learn a lot, you, you're not going to have those three years of growth. You're going to start off much closer to year three, doing it now by yourself anyway. So that you don't be afraid to go alone. It's better to be alone than having a shitty partner. And he sounds terrible. 
I would just look like just making just looking at the paperwork really see how many shares you've got um who's got majority shares who's got who's um got position of authority that kind of thing probably speak to a lawyer yeah you just don't want anyone to hold anything over your head I think it's definitely better if you're what's it called if you just have a clean break like sometimes you just yeah if, especially if it's not it depends right because if it was your business that you brought him into then I would say fight for it because it's yours do you know what I mean but if it's something that you started together or it was his and he brought you in then you just kind of just gotta leave it man seriously and I agree with Auntie Nana like you can you know that knowledge doesn't go doesn't just disappear do you know what I mean like you can definitely build something very very quickly yeah you just don't want a stress-free life man you know what I mean and you know what it's not it's not the business it's execution Mm, at the end of the day so yeah that's what you need to focus on I agree with Auntie Nana, Auntie Sade. Don't be afraid to take the knowledge that you've you that you've gained from these however many years it is that you and him have been together. But on top of that, what I would do is before you have a conversation with him, I would go and consult a lawyer with any paperwork that you may or may not have. Because the thing is, we're assuming they've divided it up in a legal kind of way when they've got shares. It might not be that that clean cut but definitely go and sit down with a lawyer so you know who you are you know um what your approach will be when you speak to him but just be prepared to walk away from everything and if anything you're walking away with a happy heart and the knowledge that you have managed to do a successful business before and can do again that was auntie's no best if you have a dilemma please send them to dilemmas dot your aunties could never at gmail.com hey i'm auntie farah and you're listening to your aunties could never and now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. I went down a rabbit hole for the last few days watching lots of conservative, black conservatives discuss racism. And a lot of black conservative thought is that <laughs> racism is just made up in black people's heads. And, oh. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so it just made me think of the various real life I have gone through racist experiences. I thought I'd put that to you guys. What was your first experience of racism or racist encounter that you had? So I remember being very young, I'd say primary school age. And I I had just started walking myself to primary school because I I must have been like maybe about 10 Nine or ten anyway, because I remember my cousins had left and it it just meant that I had to walk myself. And I remember walking down Uxbridge Road and a woman spat on me and called me a black bitch. Wow. I also remember being on a bus and a woman sitting on me and telling me that I didn't deserve to be there. Then when I was a teenager, I've been spat on three times in racist attacks. When I was a teenager and we were on our lunch break in, in like round the back of Portobello or somewhere like that, a Portuguese woman came and she spat on me and she told me to go back to my country. And what made me laugh, I was like to her, but you're Portuguese blood. And I probably didn't say blood because I was like 15 or whatever it was that I was. But um, yeah, so th- those are incident- instances of me being a child. That's what I, they're very clear especially when I was like nine or ten or whatever it was and I was walking down Uxbridge High Street and that happened it was and I just remember being really traumatized and when I got to school I was really traumatized and you know because to spit on someone 
is like one of the most violent things that you can do to someone. It is such a violation. It's so disgusting. Like to be called a black bitch felt easier to deal with even at that young age than the fact that someone had spat on me just because of the colour of my skin. Yeah, those were my experiences. The only one I'm comfortable sharing is when I was about maybe 13 or 14, me and my friend were we in her area and was on the hunt for boys, as you do. <laughs> um, and this, I can't remember his name. Anyway, there was two guys. Like one guy was kind of dark and the other guy was like a lighter guy kind of thing. And I think he kept on calling me Shadow, like the gladiator character but for some some reason i don't know why it didn't call me nightshade because that was the female one those are yeah. racist names mm. by the way yeah. mm. it was very yeah. racist Extreme. um <laughs> so basically just kept on calling me shadow and star and i just had a fight with him basically <laughs> like, i just started to fight him because i was just so enraged because I just thought, like, I'm not that skin tone. Do you know what I mean? So maybe it was colorism. I don't know if it's, like, racist. Colorism. Right? Is that, it's kind of, it's colorism. I think I've dealt with colorism a lot. So, yeah, that was more of a color, because they were black. I think that stuck with me for quite a while. I don't even know. I think that was, like, one of the points where I was just like, oh, people, people don't like my color. They really don't. Like, outside of my hope, like, you, you really don't like because I idolize my dad and I look exactly like him. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like to know that people don't like us. And my parents didn't really, you know, growing up, we, we didn't have conversations about racism, to be honest, at all. It wasn't like, I know a lot of people, you know, their parents would like maybe talk about what, what they've been through at work or whatever kind of thing or what they're dealing with. Like we didn't have any of that. Do you know what I mean? So I just didn't really, I didn't know it was like such a big deal being this dark or it would enrage people like that so anyway but i did the only thing i knew how to do was to fight so i beat him racism racism i guess from white people or non-black people was i didn't actually experience until the corporate worlds like when i started my business i worked with black people my clients were black for the most part i was in my little black bubble do you know what i mean so I just, you know, was oblivious to it. I didn't really work in the corporate world. And then I, I entered the corporate world quite late in my life. So I was in for a freaking shock. <laughs> like, serious. <laughs> the first incident was like some woman that was on my team. Basically, she was having a conversation. I weren't part of the conversation. I was just walking behind them. And she was talking to someone who had a black partner. And they pointed out a guy because this, this girl was single. And she was like, oh, do you like that guy? She was just like, nah, she doesn't like him. She liked that guy. Oh, he's okay. And then pointed to someone else and whatever. This conversation was going on. And then she got frustrated and she turns around and said, it's not my fault. I don't like black men. No offense, Shade. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Am I part of this conversation? <laughs> what? That is definitely offensive. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm not even part of this conversation. Because I'm... I'm at work, like, I'm from road, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was in the corporate world thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? So I'm just like, how the fuck? How do you deal with this? So I internalised a lot. I didn't really deal with it in the way I wanted to, which is, to be honest, punch her in her face. Who the fuck are you talking to? Just show her what time it is. Can't lie, sorry, I know it's a bit aggressive, but still, 
Do you know what I mean? When people say things like that to you, it's immediate reaction. So to be honest, like all you non-black people, you really got to understand that when we don't react here, yeah, you have to be actually grateful because we're keeping it inside. So I just done the other route, which was HR. And that was my first HR experience. And I just took it through that thing and I thought, I'm actually good at this. Actually, you know, you can get like little results here. So, you know, I just became well versed in it and just uh, use that to my advantage. And she no longer works there anymore. So I like to think that I had a part in that. I remember in passing, and I think it was actually Shepherd's Bush too for Auntie Farah, one time a car, someone driving past and maybe, you know, you step out as a pedestrian a bit too soon and it was like, fucking nigger. So there was that. And I think, yeah, there's microaggressions in, in the workplace, definitely. I remember a guy coming up to me and he was, he did, he did two things because he was a gay guy and there are the very stereotypical white gay guys who believe that black women are their lifeline to everything. Best friends. Yeah. yeah, best friends. And, and every black woman has to be a gay guy's best friend because that's the stereotype out there. Um, and so he came beeline for me. Oh my God, have you watched this? And it was some black, I can't remember the show he referenced. And I was like, no, I haven't watched it. Oh my God, you must've watched it. Da, 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 da. And oh my God, I like Biggie. And all this, he just, he did everything textbook, everything textbook. He talked about black things. He referenced black things just because he was talking to me and like, oh my God, girl. And I was like, trust me, I'm not homophobic, but trust me on everything. I've, and I have got gay friends and trust me on everything. I don't need you to come and try and validate your experience and your, my life or your life or whatever it is you want to be, whatever act you want to act by coming to me and trying to embrace yourself, ingratiate yourself with me loudly in the office. Whereas, <laughs> so it's it putting me on a thing where if I was even a, maybe backed off him or recorded from him, he might then have been the type of like, oh my God, she the black woman doesn't like gay people. It would have been good. Like either way, I'm lost in it. So I, I, I remember I kind of just, I did give him the cold shoulder. Do you know what I remember actually the most in primary school? And I'd like, I, I wonder, I was little, so I was teeny tiny anyway. So there's nothing I could have done or would have done probably. Um, but I just remember there was a white girl that used to always stroke my nose. And in adult life now, I'm like, what the? It's like akin to stroking hair. And I must have, did she think I was a little pet? And I went to a very white school. I went to school in Wimbledon. So all my schools oh, were in Wimbledon. And so she was a very posh. I remember she was super, super posh. And I think at that time, I'd been, that was, I'd probably returned from my first foster home. So I have no idea what state of mind I was. I don't know who I was or what I, what I was like in that time. And I was just very quiet when I was little. And I went to this school in Wimbledon. And I remember there's a thing where when you're from the younger classes and someone older takes notice of you, you're always like, oh. So I always had that yeah. attention. I was always like, oh, the cute little one. And I always thought I was bigger than my time. So I was always going around with older kids. But I just remember this goes to come up to me, oh, you're so cute. And do that to my nose. And so cute. And in hindsight, I'm like, that girl needed a thump. Or, <laughs> or, 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 or dressing like this is, I'm not, I'm not an animal to play with. And, and it was because, it, because I was a little black kid. I could have been cute all day long, but stroking my nose. I, and I kind of have that cringe feeling, like I wish I could go back in time and do that like that to get off me. So I just remember that. Um, and I'm sure teachers and all that type of stuff. But I just, I, yeah, it's all microaggressions. It's all things implied, things said. On, as a side note and things like that. And then people expecting you to re respond in a certain way because they were just waiting for you to fuck up and so they can get you into trouble or get you out of a situation or get you out of the, situ the space that they don't want you in. So yeah, that's my experiences. And colorism all day long, God. 
So my one while I was thinking over this, there were small things in school and throughout school, but nothing directly to me. And the first kind of direct experience that I had was when we started promoting in the city. So this is like, I'm 20 years old now, like 2000, 2001. And we started Meant to Excel. And basically black events had been run out of the West End. So you had Mm. to put on a black event in the city. And that was going well. And this is an untapped market of money coming into black households because we're putting on big events. You're making grands in a night. And I guess the police, City of London police, cottoned onto this. And they came up with, I think it's still one of the most racist policies ever that nobody talks about. I think it's called like the 696 form, where basically only ever given to black promoters you mm. had to write down all of the promoter's details, your D- DJ's details, mm. the music that was going to be played, the ethnic groupings and ages. And this was in order to get a license to put on an event. And if something happened at your event, you were blacklisted. Mm. And DJs were routinely not allowed to play in the city, which was their bloodline, because... Mm somebody who had nothing to do with them, a fight had broken out and then they would go to this forum and it would be like, oh, these DJs were playing that night. Because they were playing, they now incite violence mm-hmm. and then they, they were losing their livelihoods. And that, again, would happen to promoters. If something happened at your night, you would no longer be able to be in a venue. That was going on, but then also venues had this policy of no R&B but only to black promoters though. So R&B nights were happening because that's what everybody listened to was R&B and hip hop. So really, when you say R&B, you're just saying hip hop or they would say at that time, urban music, Um, Mm -hmm. but you could go into the city and it would be a white promoter in there and they're playing everything that we would be playing, but they were allowed to have the club. There was a two year ban on all black promoters. A big fight happened, I think some, Somebody got stabbed, had nothing to do with any of the promoters. That promoter lost their license to it. But then they just decided, actually, we're no longer having black people raving in the city of London. We estimated that cost us like 30 grand, just us. But of all of the other promoters who then lost their nights, that's ridiculous. And that was okay. And I think that was, while I was thinking about it, was like, yeah, that's a real direct force of racism that nobody speaks about that we all kind of put up with and allow to happen to us and there's probably other industries that have lots of systems like that in place that I think policy doesn't take into account that that is um this affects black livelihoods in lots of ways and I think those are the things that we should be exposing like actually this cannot go on again like I, I we can't have parts of the world where you can't um, have business like you can't have opportunity to make money that to me is racism any comments um, on facebook on shows um oh that's so sweet tommy <laughs> says auntie shada is gorgeous though glowing and gorgeous oh, thank you that's so sweet. and then i guess <laughs> this is strange so Okoye also says, I understand Auntie Shade. I like how you deal with things. Thank you so much. <laughs> and then Stephanie says, she used to what in capital 
I think this is the no stroking. Yeah. 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 Interesting that none of you have had direct physical. It's interesting because, I, as I said, it's happened to me three times. So I, I would have thought amongst us that would have happened. It's quite surprising oh. that you, you guys are quite, you know. Yeah, nothing, nothing physical like that. Uh, no. That's happened. Blackfish, nigger. Yeah. Microaggressions Words. have happened to me. But not like a physical thing at all, actually. No, not at all. My daughter has had experiences. I'm just like, what? She's had a few. Yeah. She's had it's a funny few. because I feel, as a parent now, I feel like if my daughter came home and said someone did that, I would literally end up in jail. Yeah. yeah I'm, really I'm finding them and I'm coming for them. Yeah, it's been really frustrating the times when she said, and similar, she said similar. Um, who said that? Someone, yeah, sat, sat in a space. Yeah, someone sat on me. Recent, recently with COVID situation, this, um, she said the, like a, maybe Spanish woman, sat next to her on the bus and she was like, I feel uncomfortable, can you move? And she didn't have a mask on. The woman didn't have a mask on. And the woman basically ended up saying, go back to where you came from. And I was like, sorry, uh, what are you talking about? So she's had a few encounters. Obviously she's home by the time she's telling me the story. In my mind, I'm like, I've flown to wherever that situation is. Yeah. But you can't, you, there's nothing you can do. And yeah, definitely teachers. And through my daughter, I've seen race, racism, physical acts of racism in regards to how they really tried to wear her down, especially in contrast to your experience at Greycoats. And I will say Greycoats with my chest. And then our, <laughs> our daughter's experience at Greycoats at was not as straightforward. Um, mm. There was, I definitely will say there were acts of racism from some of the teachers there. Yeah. My I mean, like I said last week, I had a racist teacher. I had like microaggressions from primary school, from people saying, when you've got plaits in your hair, oh, do you, you know, I mean like extensions, do you do that every day? I've been in the work environment and people have commented on my hair several times. Oh, you look different every day. And I've had to say, do you tell her that? Mm. And she's got her hair up or down. I don't see you making any comments about that. So it, yeah, it's all very interesting, the different levels of um, racist experiences. Can I, I, I need to put this out there and I say this quite often. I always tell this story and this is, again, being black in this UK space. When Jonathan Ross used to have his show, there was a time, and I can't remember what year, he had Denise Lewis on it. And he said to her, when you throw the spear, meaning when she threw the javelin, and he said it twice. And I, you know, when, to the point when there's no evidence of it, and to the point where I say this story so much, and I haven't had anyone, I don't think anyone remembers, to the point where you, I started to think, did I make this up? But I know, I watched it, and I remember saying like, what the, and she handled it gracefully, as you have to as a black person, when, especially in a situation like that. He said, to, and I, it was like, the way he said it was like, you know, like maybe behind the scenes, it was as if to say, guys, like, oh my God, let's, don't say spear, don't say, whoever's making your busting joke, and by mistake, mm. he said spear. And I used to have a problem with Jonathan Ross at a certain time, because every black guest he had on, he had to say a superlative about them. He had to say, oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, they're so intelligent. And, the, and it's just like forceful compliments that you just didn't need to say, like you didn't say about everybody else. You might have just had a different type of intro, but for black guests specifically, it was always this kind of extra added source on top of introducing them. So it always made me feel funny because I was a fan. And then from that incident and just noticing how he was, and I don't, I'm not accusing him of anything, but however, I really want to know if anyone else remembers this. Um, it was, it was oh, probably over 10 years ago and beyond, but it, I just want to know if anyone else remembers that episode of Jonathan Ross show and Denise Lewis, the athlete was on it. And he kept and he said it twice. When you throw the spear, I mean javelin, that's what he did. And then she was like, the javelin. And I need someone to help me not feel like I've made this up now. Because there's no, obviously there's no evidence of it either. 
Hey, I'm Auntie Shade. You're listening to your aunties could never. It's almost time to wrap up. Before we do, aunties, what's made you sad, mad or glad? I am mad at Savage Fenty. Yeah, I said it. When you... Yeah, I said it. We can be mad at our own. I said it. (laughs) You sign up for Savage Fenty as a VIP member. You have to say that you agree to pay £50 a month, £49.95 to be specific, unless you opt out every month between the first and the fifth day of the month. You can opt out and say, not this month, I don't want to buy anything. So I set an alarm in my phone every month to, let, to remind me to opt out. Being a member allows you to get VIP discounts and like the, their lingerie can be quite expensive. With the VIP discounts, it, it gives you quite a hefty discount, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's all good. This month, for one reason or another, I've been crazy busy at work. I forgot to opt out and they took my money. No problem. The reason why I'm mad is because they then dictated to me how I can spend that money. So even though it says if you're a VIP member, you can spend your money however you like, you can't. I basically couldn't buy any of the VIP um, discounted items because they said that you cannot use the credit that you have for those discounts. So Savage Fenty, I am mad at you because that is ludicrous for you to take my money and then tell me how I can spend it. I am glad that last night my team and I were able to put on the first indoor television studio audience since lockdown. Woo! It was a very small, socially distanced, heavily controlled, heavily sanitized audience, but it was a lot of work and I'm very proud of myself and my team that we were able to pull it off and the production were very happy and the audience were very happy. So it, you know, it's a new norm. Everyone had face masks on. Everyone was two meters apart from each other in their social bubbles. But it went really well. I don't have a sad. In fact, I have another glad. And I'm glad that it was my Auntie Mary's 90th birthday on the weekend. And she is an amazing woman. So big up to you, Auntie Mary. You ain't listening because you don't do this sort of thing. But big up to you anyway. And love you lots. It was also my brother's birthday, and he does listen, so big up to you too. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I'm still sad about Breonna Taylor. Still no justice. That's really still on my mind. I'm mad. You know what? I'm not mad anymore. I'm good. But there was a work thing that really annoyed me. Um, Just this platform that we're trying to use, and it wasn't working, and it really did make me mad to my core. So much so I actually had to do yoga to calm down and I actually did it and it kind of worked a little bit. Um, and then I had to force myself to go to bed because, yeah, I was that angry, basically. I'm glad. So in those moments, I just feel like, you know, when you come down from that, you know, intense place and I just get really like, oh, I'm really happy to be alive. So I'm generally, generally happy to be alive and breathing. I'm sad, I was really sad, last week, I uh, don't know if you guys follow her, Cece from the business Six Figure Chick, she has a platform on, on Instagram and she basically helps businesses create digital products, like monetize their Instagram, um, she really helps you just kind of level up your business and she created this business and she died from pneumonia oh. last week, oh, no. just so sad, she's only... 
36, I think she is. She had cancer and through her cancer treatment, she started juicing and produced a juicing ebook. And that took her into the world of digital products, basically. And so she was teaching people how you kind of share your skills and put them into digital products and um, create a million dollar business as she did. It started off with six figures was her target, but she did get to her million pound target last year and was set to do the same this year as well before she got ill. So yeah, just really sad that her, her life was cut short, but she helped thousands of people. I'm in her digital society, although I haven't produced any digital products. I, I use her sales methods for selling my products anyway. So she's definitely helped me scale up my business since I've been following her since my cousin introduced me to her early last year, like she really has helped me shape how I do my sales, emails, everything. She's an amazing, amazing woman. Mad, Kanye West, (laughs) his presidential bid and people putting the blame of his kind of presidential run at black people's door like because Kanye is running black people are gonna vote for him instead of Joe Biden and I'm like I can't see the two Kanye West is so conservative chat shit about black people all day if anybody's gonna vote for him it's gonna be white Christian Americans Mm. and if that sways the vote in in some way that's on that's on them like don't try and throw black people under the bus when Kanye West starts to get some traction, like it's, this is our fault because really it is the Republicans that have enabled this man and it has nothing to do with black people. So that was just pissing me off because again, I have a real issue at this moment with liberals and I feel like they're doing black people a real disservice and they try and come in in the guise of we are for you. But a lot of the time, it damages our self-respect in how they talk about Black people and racism and our plight. And it puts us perpetually in victim mode for a reason to keep us as victims. So I'm just very aware of the media scapegoating that they do on Black people. And that was really pissing me off. (sighs) I am glad for the celebration of Ty's life yesterday because it was absolutely beautiful the online marathon, the DJs playing, the murals in, in Brixton of Thai. It's just like the community has done my brother well. And mm. yeah, so that's made me glad. I'm sad that I was so busy yesterday. I couldn't join Thai's um, celebration of life, but I'm glad that I at least made a point to point people in the right direction on my platforms. Um, but I'm sad I couldn't join him, but I felt the warmth and love and I love the mural in Brixton. It's beautiful and um, by bunny bread and i can't remember the other guy's name sorry about that but my main sad was melania i'm not really sad but i just wanted to mention her not wanting to hold her husband's hand imagine being married to someone that you can't stand that you're captured in full front of the view of the world of removing your hand from your husband's hand i'm not really sad about it i'm pretending i'm sad for her it's actually hilarious but you know what i'm, I'm sad. sad for her man Come i'm on. sad for her she I know, she's Ooh, not even asking for help. Yeah, okay, thank you for making me validate my sadness. I'm not really sad crying, but it was, I, that was my cheating sad. 
I'm very, very mad at my time of the month this month. And I'm sorry it's too much information, but women, we're not going to be please shamed. Share, please share so that we're not going to be shamed Thanks, about this. Guys. Time of the month is something that we go through. Half of the population, or probably more than that now. It hurts. And this month got me. You freaking oi. And I, I blame the patriarchy. And if the spirit <laughs> that created this earth is a male thing, it's your freaking fault, you male thing that created this earth, if it's a man. And if it's a woman, then she was really angry. She probably had time in a month and then fought you. <laughs> which is, <laughs> you get this pain too. I'm mad. It was a horrible, hello, daughter. It was a horrible thing. And, but then also now I'm glad, I'm glad at the A-level U-turn because come on. And I'm also glad Auntie Sade dragged me out on the week. Well, she didn't drag me out, that's a lie. She, um, oh, yeah. Let me go out on, uh, let me go out. What's the word? Afro Paradise Party. An event called Afro Paradise. It was fun. Hey, why didn't you tell all of us? And I wouldn't it's have come, but. That kind of shade. It's just, just for the hell of it. Like, I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have been, but. You better hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not getting Yeah, it was. But to be fair, to be yeah, fair, to be fair. Well, to Nana. be fair, to be fair. I only had two spaces and I had to get them immediately because it was limited because of um, COVID. So you, there was only a certain amount of people allowed in the space and everything like that. But obviously moving forward, guys, everybody, innit? Do you know what I mean? Auntie Nana, don't worry. I'm going to hook us up for an exclusive and we'll post pictures on Instagram and talk about how great it was. And, we, uh, and then we'll just let these two find out. I'm <laughs> perturbed that the aunties are reacting <laughs> this way when I know that both aunties would not have been available Ooh. either. However, it was presumptuous of you. I know your life, Auntie Farah. Um, I do. Um, so I'm also glad. Thank you, Auntie um, Sade, because it was a fun night. And actually, I was so You're busy. Welcome. I had been so, had such a busy week that it was a welcome relief. And I'm also glad for my mother being here for the week for a couple of days because it's good to have mum around. And I'm now weirded out with my child creeping behind me. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> can I just can I just say um, happy birthday to Stephanie and Toby Yay! and my team because it was their birthdays as well. I forgot about that kind of thing. Happy, oh, birthday, oh, birthday. And happy birthday to Natalie, my team member. Hi, happy birthday, Natalie. Happy happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Okay, we're nearly finished. Okay, I've got a quick unpopular opinion. I've got a quick unpopular opinion. Okay. okay, do you want me to do comments first though, quickly? Yes, please do. The Sorry, last few comments. So Ray Ov says, loving the show. Okoye says, thanks, Nana. I love um, you bringing in the full force of institutionalized racism. This is what really saps us. The more peace I make with racism, the less I want to live here indefinitely. Definitely. Um, and then also says, you didn't imagine it, Auntie AK. Jonathan Ross is racist. That's why I stopped watching him. Allegedly. And- Allegedly, sorry, allegedly racist. And also says she does remember Denise and the others. Stephanie said, hashtag free millennia. (laughs) 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 And Toby Toby says, oi, thank you. (laughs) And they say thank you for the birthday messages. So thanks for watching, guys. That's made me so glad because, my (laughs) God, you know when you've got, oh, that's made me glad that I don't imagine that freaking episode. It's been, it's bugged me for years. I've had no one to say, I remember it. Anyway, so that's made me very glad. Quick unpopular opinion. Thank you, guys. It's just about football and football fans. I get it because I like sports. I like athletics. I like tennis. And I get behind, I want, I'm rooting for everyone in black all the time. But this, this 
overspill of aggression between football fans like Chelsea scum, Tottenham twats or whatever the frick they call them. <laughs> I just, it's just so, it's just so dumb to me. And the only time I do get passionate, so maybe I've been a bit of a hypocrite is when the Black Stars play. That's the only time I get involved when World Cup's on and maybe when Ghana's playing, if they ever make it to the damn final <laughs> or whatever. But other than that, I just don't care. You guys shut up. So dramatic. <laughs> I'm going to go down. I just hate it. I think it's just so annoying. And my, one of my favourite cousins, my best cousin, shout out Bina, she loves football and I just don't believe her. And she really does love football. And she's like, I'm going to, like, we'll be talking. She goes, I've got to go and watch, got to watch match of the day or match of the day recap. I'm like, stop lying. Women, I ask also, I don't believe you. I don't believe women like football. Oh, <laughs> God. You can't women, say that. I believe that women like football just to impress their men. There, I said, <laughs> you cannot like football like that. No. I, like I said, my cousin, man, stop lying about it. you're not going to talk to me or hold me because you want to watch football highlights. Shut up, man. Anyway, that's my unpopular opinion. Okay. Thank you, guys. One, two, three. Bye. Oh, Thanks sorry. for watching. What were we saying? Like, comment, like, and subscribe. Like, like, comment, and subscribe. One, like, two, and subscribe, innit? Like, like, comment, comment, comment and subscribe. And subscribe. <laughs> I'm not playing this game with you lot again. No, you are. <laughs> what do you mean? You have Someone to. needs to that's lead it. I just need to say one bit. Like, comment. comment. <laughs> now I'm saying comment. Okay, okay. I'll say and. <laughs> <laughs> like, comment, sorry. And <laughs> I even hear you, Auntie Farah. You went mute. Thank you, guys. <laughs> See you next week. And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad, and glad. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later. (laughs)